0: You're listening to The Pulpit of Marion Avenue Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us for today's message. For additional resources, you can visit us online at marionavenuebaptist.com or by calling 855-825-4113. The truth will make you free.
1: I was sitting in a restaurant in northern Alaska in July of 2019 last year and There was a man twice my age, almost, well, two and a half times my age, sitting there, very spirit-filled man, reminded me a lot of John Christner, that kind of spirit, warm, humble, uh, in touch with God, spirit of God on his life, made a big difference uh, in his life and ministry and family and grandkids and just a legacy life. And we were eating and kind of doing some small talk, there was a group of people and He leaned over to me and slipped me just a small little book and he just said, if you'll read this, it'll change your life. And so I took it and I thought, well, this is kind of one of those moments and I I put it in my backpack and it was several weeks before I began to read it and reference it. If you've been in our prayer meetings, if you've been in my office very much, you've heard me reference the truth of this book, the power of crying out. It's just filled with a lot of scriptures and I began to devour it and see God do just some incredible things in my life. And I've been waiting for God to allow me to uh, bring these truths to you tonight. And I don't know of any other truth more needed as we close the year and look to a new year of unknowns and a bright tomorrow, the best truly yet is to come. We understand that God has put us here for a purpose, but this truth is now needed more than ever, ever. And I want us to grab hold of this truth tonight. I can't unload it all to you, but I want to just deliver the crux of it, if you will. Psalm chapter 34, if you'll stand to your feet, let's begin reading. We'll read one verse in verse number six, and then I'll have you jump to Psalm 60. Psalm 34 in verse number six says, this poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Do you see that verse tonight? Now look at verse number 60, chapter number 60, verse number 11. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. I can't tell you the time that's been quoted in our prayer room. Psalm 60, verse number 11. The Bible says, give us help from trouble, for vain is the help of man. Look at Psalm 108, verse 12. Psalm 108, verse 12. The Bible says, give us help from trouble, for vain is the help of man. I want to preach tonight this thought, this truth from God's word, the power of crying out, the power of crying out. Father, we come into your presence and we ask you to do something unusual tonight. Lord, I don't know who all is going to grasp this truth, but I pray it would be me. I wanna stand in line and, and ask, Lord, could, could it be me? Could we, could we root into this tonight? Father, I pray that each and every one of us would grab a hold of this, change lives, restore the broken, break the chains of addiction, give hope and help to the hurting, do what only you can do, bring wisdom to our lives, and Lord, give us joy and victory that we can go out and change the world. Father, I pray in Jesus' name, amen, you may be seated. Keep your Bibles open, please. The Bible makes a clear distinction between prayer and crying out to God. This poor man and the Lord heard him and spared him out of all his troubles. The disciples were sinking on the boat. The waves were getting on the inside of the boat. As long as there are waters on the outside, you're okay. When they get on the inside, you're not okay. You ever been there? When the water got on the inside of your boat and they're sinking and Jesus is sleeping. And Jesus is, what manner of man is this that even the winds and the seas obey His voice? He's sleeping. But Jesus had put them in a situation that took crying out, and we'll show you why. A fervency, an authenticity, a humility, a passion, a proving, a faith cry before He would do anything about it. And when they cried, He spoke, and there was peace. The Bible says in James chapter 5 and verse 16, the effectual, fervent prayer, that word fervent has the idea of fire. It actually has the uh, connotation of plea, of cry. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. In every circumstance, the need to cry out is a humble reminder of our total inability to accomplish anything significant for God or for ourselves. Jeremiah 33.3 is my life verse. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. In moments of fear, anxiety, sudden fear, he says, be not afraid of sudden fear, but sudden fear, trouble, the right step, and experiencing the moving, saving, mighty hand of God is when His children cries out to an Almighty God. Now this might sound surprising to some because you might be thinking, why is this necessary? Doesn't God look on the heart? Is God deaf? Do we really have to come to a moment of desperation before God? What kind of a God is this? Follow the Scriptures, You'll reveal what God is doing. Don't doubt God. Don't blame God. Don't think God's some big kind of ogre. God is holy. God is right. God is loving. He is the epitome of love and grace and kindness. And the thoughts that He thinks toward us are only good and only right to give us an expected end. God does know our hearts. He can hear the faintest whisper or even when we don't even move our lips. But as we survey the Bible and the Scriptures, of which we could have a 52-week series. It's like the prayer life of Jesus. When it's revealed to you how much Jesus prayed and depended on prayer, it's like, wow, how did I miss it? And I want you, every time you just study the Word of God, see the difference between when there was a prayer offered and when there was a cry to Almighty God. This doesn't happen once or just twice, but it happens all over the Word of God. Does your prayer life have the power that you want it to have? Does your prayer life really move heaven? Does your prayer life really touch God? Remember again, vain, a perceived fullness. You think you've got it figured out. I think I've got it figured out. We're making it. But vain is the help of man. The flesh profiteth nothing. The most significant difference between the prayer's of God's saints in the scriptures, and the prayers of God's followers today, when you study the scriptures, is this, and only this. If you study the prayers, why did they move heaven and earth? The sun stands still, the waters part, the blind heal. So much came to pass. The only difference was there was a fervency in the prayers of biblical saints. A fervency that is inherent when we cry out, God. I remember hearing the story. I remember experiencing it, but I've heard it so many times. I don't know if i actually remember seeing it or hearing it, but we were visiting like we did often, the Christner family on the hill in Kelowna, and we were leaving. And John Christner begged my dad not to leave because it was snowing so terribly. Some of you may remember this years and years ago, when I was a little boy, and he said, please don't go. And dad said, look, I can't, you know, my dad. He said, I can't sleep here. I got to sleep in my bed, you know. And uh, he said, I'm going to go home. He said, please don't go home. Please don't do it. It is horrible. And it looked like a snow tornado out there. And dad said, look, if I get down here to to JW's, you know, and, and it's, uh, it's too bad, we're, we're, and I, we're still in town, I'll turn around and come back. And so He headed out, and he should have stopped at the four-way there, but he kept on. And he was down in the valley right before you come up the hill by the lumber yard there and appliance barn on Kelowna there, uh, heading this way. And all of a sudden, it just came in like a straight wind tornado of wind, a true blizzard, and you could see nothing. And all of a sudden, Dad and Mom saw a car light go like this and went right off into a steep ditch. And he said... For the first time in his life, my dad's life, that he cried out to God in front. He had cried out many times. I'll talk about that later maybe. But he cried out to God in front of his family, in front of his wife. And he said, oh God, please spare us. I mean, you couldn't see. He couldn't see where the road was. And the wind was blowing so hard they were sliding. And he got to what he thought maybe was the side of the road. Had no idea where the road was. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a wrecker came. A wrecker in the middle of the storm. And the wrecker had another car, but the wrecker said, if you will follow me, I'm going to Washington. If you'll stay close and follow me, I think we can get there. And he said, I followed that wrecker the whole way there. David said in Psalm 55, would you look at it? Psalm 55. Verse number 17 of Psalm 55. I want you to mark the truths when you see them. Psalm 55 and verse number 17, the Bible says, Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and what? Cry what? Cry what? When was the last time that you cried aloud to God in fervency? Oh God, help my marriage. Oh God, break the chains of addiction!" I'm going to again show you why in just a little bit. Why do we need to cry out? But David says, morning and noon and night, I will pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my what? Look at Psalm 18. Psalm 18 as quickly as you can. Psalm 18. The Bible says in verse number 6 of Psalm 18, In my distress... I called upon the Lord and cried unto God. All over the Scriptures, that there's a distinction made. Cried unto God, and he heard, my, he heard my what church? Out of His temple, and my what? Came before Him even into His ears. Look at Psalm 28. Psalm 28. Psalm of David. It was not abiding by a formula of just shouting to God in some, you know, spiritual experience, but a heart cried to an almighty God, verse number one, unto thee will I cry. Oh, Lord, my rock, be not silent to me, lest if thou be silent to me, I become like them that go down in the pit. He's not charging God foolishly. He's charging literally like a, like a, line, like, like, like a football player would charge the line. He's charging the throne room of heaven with this fervent cry. Oh, God, be not silent to me. Look at Psalm number 14. Psalm 14 you get your scriptural gymnastics tonight in turning. Psalm 14 and verse number 1. Psalm 14. I cried unto the Lord. What's the next three words? Psalm 14. Am I in the wrong place? I'm in the wrong place. Psalm 14 and verse... uh, Let's see where, where I'm at. I cried unto the Lord. Let me read it for you. With my voice, with my voice unto the Lord, did I make supplication. I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. Are you listening? I showed before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, thou knewest my path. We know from our own families that a true father or mother's heart hears the cry of their children. How many of you dads or moms can attest to that? And yet God created that home situation in pattern of our Heavenly Father. And there is something inside that you have to suppress when it is a true cry. Things happen, by the way. I I won't be crude, but when, when a baby cries, things happen to a mother and when there is a cry of distress, things happen to a father. I'm talking about even in our chemistry and our makeup, our adrenaline dumps when we hear a certain cry. And sometimes it's even a suppressed cry. It isn't just a shout. And stay with me tonight. If you think I'm telling you just to go out and stand in the street and scream at the top of your lungs, understand the heart of this of coming in a fervency, crying before an almighty God to see heaven move because of your Humility because of your authenticity, because of your fervency, because of your passion for your total inability to do anything about the situation at hand. And yet, Galatians 4.6 says, And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth His Spirit, the Spirit of His Son, into your hearts, crying, Daddy! Abba, Father! So it is a supernatural thing that happens at salvation. And I believe I'm going to make a bold statement tonight. But I believe this with everything inside of me as I've examined my own life. But first examine the scriptures that we have to suppress the cry. And we've done it for so long that we've forgotten to cry to God. But I believe that if we are born again, the Spirit of God, Galatians 4, 6. You can turn there and mark it down. He hath given us the Spirit in your hearts crying, Abba, Father. This is in Romans 8 where he says all of creation groans for redemption. He hath not given us the Spirit of fear. These are the verses right before here. In, in the same path, this is Galatians 6, but he references this in Romans 8, how he's not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of, of love, of a sound mind. And we have the spirit of God inside of all of us. But as we get older, we become more callous and used to walking in the vanity of our mind. And a new Christian, Brother Jim, that hasn't got their mind darkened, I've been around them and man, they're just open and raw in their prayer. God, help me. But then we become cynical. Because we lose faith in an almighty God that we have put on our own timetable. And when we don't see heaven moved on our timetable, we walk in the vanity vein as the help of man heart. And we offer our mumbling of little prayers if we pray at all. Oh, how needless pain that me, Joseph, has borne. All because I come and I say, God... My wife has these spinal headaches and I need you to heal her. And my son, he has this problem. And and God's saying, Joseph, do you have a problem or not? Do you have a God or not? Do you care? Are you awake? Will you cry out to me in your day of trouble? Look at, there's so many references. Let me just say this. It is not a formula, but an outflow from the heart. Song of Solomon, verse, chapter number 2 and verse 14, let me read it for you. It says, let me see thy countenance. Let me hear thy voice. For sweet is thy voice. Now this is a parallel. And we understand in the parallel and what God is trying to teach us is, is God's love for us. And the true bride, we are the bride of Christ and our true uh, groom, which is Christ. He's saying, I love, you've heard that song. I remember Tammy used to sing and God wants to hear you sing when the waves are crashing around us, when the fiery darts surround us. And despair is all you see. God wants to hear you sing. Or your voice, I think it actually says your voice, which is taken from this passage of Scripture. He who wants your heart, wants your voice as well. You say, ah, come on. The Bible says spoken words have power. Jesus says death and life are in the power of the tongue. The God who could, could have created the world in any way decided to create it by the spoken word. This is why he says, preach the word. Cry aloud. Spare not. God said and God said and God said. God cried. He spoke. They've even found what they call the God Adam, the God particle. And it's a particle created only by audible waves, sound waves that creates this. You know what that is? That's God creating the universe around us by crying out. In a wedding, Wyatt Cayley, others of you, Jacob, uh, Dave, others. Sure, could you, could you give vows silently without saying anything? Sure. But she wants to hear them. He wants to hear them. It brings an authenticity and sincerity that you really do mean what's inside because you're willing to speak it outside, to cry out to the Lord. Crying out brings humility. And that is what moves God Pride hinders prayer. Crying is the vehicle to death to self. When was the last time that you found yourself in a situation where you cried out to God? Cry out to Jesus, let him hear your voice. When was the last time? By the way, let me just pause and say, he can hear our silent cry, but I'm still talking about a fervent cry. Look at Hannah. She's there at the altar, excuse me, at the door of the temple. Remember this? And he says, priest says, Eli says, you're, you're, she's drunk because she's moving her lips but I don't hear anything. And she's, you know, there's tears. And, but you go back and you read the story when, she, when God answered her prayer and she was pouring out her heart. She was weeping on the inside. She was crying out to God. And God heard her prayer I think about Rick Caps in our prayer room and so many prayers that have been answered and it'll be almost a silent cry. He'll break down and I can hear the brokenness in his voice and he'll pray for a bus rider. He'll pray for his bus. It's no wonder that his bus is doing as it is so well and, and he pastors that route. Why? Because he cries. He cries to God. Dave had sought God's will and done such a great job in the ministry here. Dave, I didn't ask you. I hope this is okay. I think it is. You've shared. And Dave Harder, and, and uh, man, he wanted God. And he. not everybody can do this, but he drove way up to Montana, I think it was, out of the middle of nowhere and just cried out to God for several weeks, hiked all these mountains, and he came back. And what was it, like a month later, God brought your fiance to you because he cried out to an almighty God. I, I can't imagine a prayer room without seeing Dave Harder young man and i look over and he's got his hands in the air i mean it's dark nobody's looking i'm peeking like man dave's an idiot what's he doing over there (laughs) no 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 wait a minute he's crying out to god oh god please bless my bus And come in and blow the doors open and restarting that route and seeing God move and work in the story. Look, I'm so frustrated tonight because I'm literally just scratching just the tip, just the the, the tip of the iceberg. All the prayers of saints of days gone by, hearing them cry out to God. Uh, I know I've mentioned for some reason John Christner a lot today, but oh Lord, have mercy. Oh God, have mercy. Oh Lord, we need you. Oh God, we need you. You'll discover the concept of crying out is a frequent pattern all over the scriptures. How often that moment of crying out was the climax of the greatest biblically epic moments that we find in the scriptures. The children of Israel are in bondage in Egypt. What was the pinnacle? Why did they get free from bondage? America, as we complain and whine about what's happening around us today. What was the answer? Well, I want you to see it in Exodus chapter number two as quickly as you can. Exodus chapter number two. What was the beginning of the great Exodus out of bondage? Exodus chapter number two and verse 23. And it came to pass in process of time, this is Exodus 2, verse 23, that the king of Egypt died. Are you there? And the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage. And they what? And their what? Cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. Notice verse 24. And God heard their groaning. And God remembered His covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel. And God had respect unto them. Let me just look up here for a moment. It was over before it started guaranteed victory because the children of Israel finally... Hey, they were in there. They were kind of comfortable even in their bondage. We know this because they looked back to their pre-crying out days when they were starving or thought so. And they said, why did you bring us out here? We had leeks and onions and really leeks and onions. You were happy about that." But they were remembering to their pre-crying out days. They forgot the days of desperation when they cried out to God. It was over before it started. The victory was theirs. Matter of fact, when God shows up to to Moses to tell what just happened, he verifies what we're talking about tonight. He says, this is the reason why I've come and tapped you. I'm on mission, God says. Why? Because I've placed them in the situation where they had to have me and then I sit around and wait for them to cry out and I will not save, not a second before until they come in complete humility This is God's pattern. This is God's plan. We have the access. It's not of our own righteousness. It's not how good we can be. We'll never measure up. We'll never be good enough. It's how broken, how humble, how contrite, how true, how genuine we can come before an Almighty God and say, God, take this old world. I don't care what anybody thinks. I need you Phooey on this mumbling prayer. Fooey on this empty, lifeless, uh, I can't even remember if I prayed or not kind of a prayer. But God, I need you. Notice verse number 7 of Exodus 3, the next chapter. Now God's speaking and He says... Let's give you a formula, church, in 2020. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. He saw it. He knew what was going on. So what would enact the divine power of God? Notice we go on in verse 7. And have heard their cry. By reason of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows. And I am come down, verse 8, to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good land and large. They had been there 400 years unto a land flowing with milk and honey unto a place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore, verse 9, don't miss it, please, I beg of you. Verse 9, Exodus 3, Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has is, come up unto me. And I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Look at chapter number 14 of the same book, Exodus 14. So now victory's guaranteed. Their cry has gone up. It's God now working and moving. Now they come to the Red Sea. And God had already said, Look, victory's yours. Just go for it. I brought you this way. Notice verse number 10 of Exodus 14. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them and they were sore afraid and the children of Israel what out unto who? Cried out unto who? The Lord. And they said unto Moses because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt with us to carry us forth out of Egypt. Is this not the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? No, you were crying out. For if it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians, that we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak thou, speak unto the children of Israel that they go for. Don't miss it. M- God is saying, Moses, you've already cried out to me. I skipped over, and again, there's so much, but I skipped over all of the plagues and all of the stories and how they went back and cried out to God and cried out to God and cried out to God and all the let my people go and, and, and throughout. And so God's saying to Moses, look, uh, why are you still crying out? You've already cried. I've already heard Go forward. Victory is yours. In Nehemiah 9, you don't have to turn there. Again, time and time again, it's referenced, he says, in dis, he did see the affliction of our fathers in Egypt and heard their cry by the Red Sea. Judges 3, 9, and when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer to the children of Israel who delivered them, even Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. This is hundreds of years later. Uh, 1 Samuel 9.16 Tomorrow about this time I will send thee a man out of the land of Benjamin. Thou shalt anoint him to be captain over my people Israel that he save my people out of the hand of the Philistines for I have looked upon my people. Why? Because their cry is come unto me. Second Samuel 20, 22 and verse number 7 In my distress I called upon the Lord and cried to my God and he did hear my voice. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears, Psalm 34, verse 15, his ears are open unto their cry. Daniel, the great Daniel in the lion's den, the mighty prayer warrior. Daniel 18 says, Oh my God, incline thine ear and hear, open thine eyes and behold our desolations and the city which is called by thy name. For we do not present our supplications before thee for our righteousness, but for thy great mercies. He's calling out, crying out to an almighty God and God heard and returned the captivity of that great city. I believe if we would have a generation of Christians that would cry out for America, we would see revival. I believe if we would have a generation of young people to cry out for a spouse, cry out for a situation in their home, cry out for their mom and dad. I believe if marriages would cry out, if, if little children would cry out, if grandcho- grandparents would cry out over uh, their, their wayward grandchildren or their children, that we would see God moved. Blind Bartimaeus cried out by the wayside and they told him to shut up. They said, Be silent! And he said, I refuse to be silent. Mark chapter 10, verse 46 through 52 says he just kept calling out to Jesus. And Jesus heard his cry. Amen. It's fine. If you want to walk in blindness and darkness, don't ever bring those Burst of, don't ever bring that burst of desperation to an almighty God and find some place out in the woods or in your car or in that room or in that basement where nobody else is and come and let your pour out your heart before an almighty God and cry out with your voice to God and say, God, I beg of you, I give up and I need you. Jonah, look at Jonah chapter number two. It's amazing what we read into the scriptures when we see it. A lot of times people read Jonah too and they think that Jonah 2 through 9 is prayed from the belly of the well. It's not. And this is a great truth that you must see. It's not prayed from the belly of the well. There are two prayers in Jonah 2. Two prayers. It is a prayer about a prayer. Don't miss this. Jonah is praying and telling God what he did and he's thanking God. He's coming in true humility. In verse 1 he It's talking about a prayer that he's giving about a cry that he made. I'm going to say it again. In verse 1, he's in the belly of the well, praying about a cry he made. Notice, Jonah chapter number 2 in verse 1. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. Now, pause. Don't just read quickly through. Examine the scriptures. What did he pray? Here's what he prayed and said, are you ready? I cried, he's in the belly of the well saying this, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I and thou heardest my voice. What are you saying tonight? Here's what the scripture's saying. Jonah is saying, I told him to cast me overboard, to drown. A lot of us think the whale was the curse. The whale was the grace. The whale was the mercy. God had prepared a great fish to be the submarine vehicle to spare Jonah's life. How many of you like to drown in the great deep blue? Jonah is drowning. His life is done. He's down near the bottom. He's caught up in the seaweed. He's on his last bit of oxygen. There's never a desperation like a drowning or non-oxygen desperation. He's drowning. He's thrown overboard. A fish ain't going to come and swallow him. He's never thought about that. But he cries out to God. Now, I don't know if he opened his mouth and bubbles came up. I, can't, I don't know that. But what I do know is that he cried out because he said he did. I cried out to God and God heard him and sent a whale. To Let's read it and said, I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me out of the belly of hell, not the belly of the whale, the belly of hell, which we could talk about the deepest parts of the ocean, the psalmists relate to that, and that is a term, he thought, I'm going to die, this is hell, this is eternity, it's over, I disobeyed God, I'm in hell, I'm, I'm on my last breath, I'm in the deep. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice, for thou hast cast me into the what? Into the midst of the what? Seas, and the floods compassed me about. He couldn't breathe. And thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Do you see it now? Do you see it? Verse 4, then said, I I am cast out of thy sight, meaning I'm dead, I'm done, it's over. I was a prophet. I was a chosen prophet. He had many great prophecies if you study his life. Yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. He said, it's time to cry out when I'm drowning. Verse 5, the waters compassed me about, even to the soul. I was dead. It was over. I'm on my last breath. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped around my head. I've heard people say, oh, this was the tonsils of the well and this was the ribcage of the well. Sunday school teachers don't teach that. I mean, not that it's going to, you know, make them completely a heretic there or anything, but just, this was him dying. He was dying. He was in the bottom. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption. He's saying, God, I'm in this well. He's praying this in the whale. He's saying, What you God, thank you. I'm in the whale. Thank you. O Lord my God, when my soul fainted within me, I remember the Lord and my prayer came in unto thee, into thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. In other words, God, you even said, I don't even know where I'm at, it's slimy, it's crazy, but you heard my cry. But I will sacrifice unto thee the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that I have vowed salvation is of the Lord. And God says, hmm, I like that. That is what you did, wasn't it, Jonah? You cried. Verse 10, and the Lord spake unto the fish and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Delivery, here's Nineveh. I saved you with the whale. How many of us need a whale to come by our drowning life? I don't know about anybody else, but there are moments, sometimes seem insurmountable, other medium, other small to others, big to me. But I need a whale. I don't care what it looks like. I'm just going to cry out to God. When there's no other way but God's way. I think about the woman that was hemorrhaging 12 years. He didn't hear an audible cry. But she reached out and touched the hem of her garment. And he turned around and he saw a woman shaken and moved in faith toward this Jesus of Nazareth. And God heard that cry. Then there's the woman who had the daughter demon-possessed. Son of David, have mercy upon me. And she kept crying out. And God says, what do I have to do with you? You're of the, the Gentile dogs. And he was proving a point here. And she cried out to God, oh Lord, help me. And God helped her. The disciples came to him and awoke him saying, Lord, save us. We perish. Please save us. I have a question. When we come to Jesus, do we come Like the disciples came, or do we come like we come? I mean, the boat is rocking. No, because we're walking in the vanity of our mind. We're okay. Lord, you know, I got that child that's broken my heart. Got that bill. God, would you take care of that? Did I pray about that? Did we, honey, did we pray about, did we pray for that child that's got that issue? Did we? Save us! We're dying! God is a very present help in need, the scriptures say. Listen to one testimony. I was $20,000 in debt with unsecured loans. For two years, I had been trying to sell land to cover the debt. This isn't me. This is a, a true story about someone who cried out to God, but I couldn't even get a phone call of interest. I was trying to sell this land. I tried realtor after realtor without success. Finally, in desperation, I walked out into the woods and cried, oh God, that's all that would come out of my mouth. My voice failed as emotion flooded me and I groaned in my spirit. The next day, a couple told my wife they'd heard we had land for sale. Within 24 hours of crying out, we had an agreement to sell the land for $20,000. Praise God. We're now debt-free and living by God's financial principles. This Friday is another story. We all knelt in an auditorium. I was overwhelmed by my absolute helplessness to overcome the least little habit, much less a great giant that had dominated much of my male life. I broke down in tears as the two or 3,000 men that were there at the convention began crying out to God for deliverance and victory. With all my heart, in great hopelessness of my own abilities, I cried out to him, Abba, Father, Daddy, please. Even now as I write, I'm overcome with emotion. I walked away from there and I felt no immediate change. But as I returned home, something was different. There was a measurable decrease in the influence of that temptation in my life. There was a new freedom and a feeling of victory for the first time in my life. Now when I am tempted, I can actually think, I'm not afraid. I can cry out to Jesus. And I calmly praise the Lord because he gives me the victory day by day. My heart is overwhelmed with joy. I have been freed from that prison. Another man wrote, I have long been captive by lust. In the third grade, while walking home from school, I picked up what looked like a comic book. It was my first exposure to pornography. My young heart was captured. Lust nearly ruined my life, ruined my marriages and relationships on numerous occasions. I truly wanted to be free from it and confessed it many times to God. I even sought help from Christian counselors. Finally, on the way to work, I stopped the car on the side of the road and cried out to God for deliverance from lust. God was faithful, and the bondage has been broken. David said, in the days when I cried out, you answered me, and you gave me courage. Not just crying out for trouble, and I know the time's been long tonight, but bear with me a few more minutes, but cry out for wisdom. My son, Verse uh, Proverbs 2 starts out this way, my son, if thou wilt receive my words, hide my commandments with me. Incline thine ear into wisdom. Apply thy heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding. You say, I've read that before. Yeah, I read a Proverbs. Every, every January 2nd, De- December 2nd, November 2nd, I read that. Lift us up thy voice. You know what that means? God, you said, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. I don't have wisdom. I need your wisdom, God. Work and move. I'm standing here right now with, I'm not trying to be super spiritual or anything, but chills thinking about the past 12 months where we've cried out to God, where we've, before we walked into a meeting with builders and banks, before we, when we got the bricks in and we ordered all these bricks, and it's like, people don't have money. I mean, it's March 15th and we're not even having church. How many times have we knelt down and said, Oh, God, please, God, you've got to bring in the money. God, we beg of you, there's nothing we can do. God, please. And God answers prayer after prayer, not just for wisdom, but for self-control. Another story, I'm not going to read that story. Crying out for self-control is a story of a man that was incredibly unhealthy and about ready to die because of his weight, but he just could not stop eating things that were horrible for him. And finally, he just cried out in desperation to God for faith. Through an honest cry to Jesus, a man whose son was possessed by an evil spirit received release for his son. The boy was brought to Jesus. Immediately the spirit threw him, tore him. The, de- the, de- the disciples said, the demons, the devils, the disciples. The disciples says, how come we can't cast him out? He said, this kind comes not forth, but by prayer and fasting." But Watch this. <clears throat> the father asked uh, the, the disciple, he said, the, excuse me, the father, the father asked Jesus, father with me. The father asked Jesus, he said, if you can do anything, will you do it? And Jesus says, <clears throat> he says, all, all things are possible if you just believe. And then the father cried out, Lord, I believe, just help my unbelief. And he said, He's healed. Spirit come out of him. He's healed. Why? Because there was a father that stood in between heaven and hell and had a fervency, a sincerity, a humility, an honesty in his heart cry. A prayer for blessing, the prayer of Jabez. Jabez cried out to God. He called upon the Lord saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed. Lord bless us. Lord, thank you for this house. You know, you know, our marriage needs some help. We're always complaining, and Lord. Preacher, pray for us. God says, You're my little child. Get somewhere alone with God and wait upon the Lord and just start crying out to an almighty God. Crying out for the quenching of spiritual thirst. Moses cried out, and the waters became sweet as a great parallel when we're dry. I don't know how many times I've laid on my belly and I said, God, I'm so cold. I'm coming in here and I'm just going to preach another message. I'm going to walk out there and tell people, oh, I'm praying for you. Oh, God's good, isn't he? And I said, God, I'm cold. I'm cold. I'm cold. God, please. And it's no time at all that old flicker of flame begins to fire and I come out here ready to charge hell. I don't care what comes my way. Why? Because my inability is in front of my face but His ability is leading me and guiding me and charting the course of my life. Oh, crying out for others. 1 Samuel 7, 9 says and Samuel took a sucking lamb and offered it for a burnt offering holy unto the Lord. And Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel and the Lord heard him. When was the last time that we cried out for the lost? Lord, let us weep again. Let us cry whether they be physical tears or a fervency in prayer. Now, why should we cry? I've already kind of told you throughout the whole message. But The Bible says in Psalm 145 in verse 18, the Lord is nigh unto them that call upon Him to all that call upon Him in truth. Because God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. When you cry out to God, you are laying down the mantle of pride. If you'll be honest with yourself right now, you have some kind of situation, some kind of anything really. You're thinking right now, I, I don't know if I can, if there's that inhibition, there's that suppression. Why? Because it's pride. It lives inside of me. It lives inside of you. It's that pride. We all have pride. We have to come to a place where we say, God, I need you. I need you. God, resist the proud. It's an acknowledging of our weakness. The more things look hopeless, the greater the possibility of God's intervention. Psalm 106 and verse 12 says, Then they believed his words, they sang his praise, they soon forgot his works, they waited not for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. And he gave them their request, but sent leanness into their soul. And my fear is that I'm going to be a Christian that prays little prayers, of non-fervent prayers. And God will give me my request, but send leanness into my soul. I have a whole lot of stories. I didn't know it'd take this long to preach this message, but I think about Regina Kumar tonight. I believe if Regina's over here from Fiji and she she needs healing, she needs healing. I believe if families would go home and begin to truly get passionate, we'd see victory. I remember Rita Reaser. That lady was dead. She was where are you at, Rita? She was gonna die. I mean, she was in the office. If you saw her, she was a walking corpse. I remember that spirit just overcame me. Spirit of God in the office, we had a bunch of men praying. I said, oh God, heal Miss Rita. She needs your help. I was just felt like I needed to intercede on her behalf. She was just standing there and just kind of not knowing what to do. And I felt sorry for her. I really did. And I thought, man, she's confused about all of this cancer and not knowing. And I just cried out on her behalf. And I'm not saying it was my cry. It was a bunch of people crying, a bunch of people praying. And man, I thought it's over. But God heard our cry. I love the Lord. He heard my cry. He lifted me. Are we going to sing about it or are we going to do it? Bus captains, would you cry out? Church family, would you cry out? Grandparents, would you cry out? Cry out. Cry out. Cry out of us. I remember when Hannah, we called her shaky flaky. Sorry, Hannah. She's not that anymore, but she had colic. She was, and she cried 24-7. That's when you cry out to God. It's when you have no... You say, there's no way that this situation will get better. Cry out to God. Go cry out to God. Cry out together. I, I wish our church was ready. I definitely don't want it ever to be produced. Or worked up. But I believe if we'll dwell on this i don't believe tonight i I certainly wouldn't suppress it but i believe if we would take this truth to heart there'll come a day where we as a church will gather in groups and we'll lift our voice you know it when we gather and okay let's pray everybody's timid and shy oh lord bless our president and help the election and and yet look if there's a prayer of a cry in your heart of fervency fine but if you can get up from that prayer without a release to god saying, God, I've done all I know to do. If you can get up and it's like, oh yeah, we we punched that clock, then we're not crying out to Jesus. Is there anybody in the room with an uplifted heart, not an uplifted hand, but with an uplifted heart on the inside, that you need to cry out to Jesus about something tonight? Here's what I want you to do. You certainly can cry out, but I want you to make a commitment that you will cry out with heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. I've preached a long time tonight and I appreciate your... Your patience there are hundreds of scriptures that i did not get to i I went through that as quick as i could it has changed my life there have been many times i had no power on me it was i wanted to come and preach and i just before i came out i just said oh god i beg of you would you stand to your feet come you can cry out certainly in spirit of heart please don't try to produce something but it's a fervency god makes a distinction And when you study the scriptures, the difference between today and then was the fervency of prayer. The fervency of prayer. You need to be saved tonight. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. With the heart man believeth, with the mouth he confesseth. Call upon the name of the Lord. You don't have to shout to be saved, but you have to come in sincerity and in truth. Oh, God, save my soul. Oh, sure, Lord, I'll I'll add you to the spiritual mix. Sure. Okay. Jesus, we love you. Thank you, God. Okay. No, he says, look, you got to believe on me with 100% faith. You don't have to cry to be saved. You don't have to shout to be saved. But you got to come with that sincerity, authenticity, humility, brokenness to say, God, I need you. Save me. Call upon the name of the Lord tonight. He'll save yourself. You say there's never been a desire to live right. There's never been a desire to call upon the name of the Lord. There's never been a desire. Then I would just say, I'm not so sure that you have trusted Jesus. If you're like me, you've suppressed it and suppressed it and suppressed it and all the beauty when you can just get alone somewhere. I've had to walk out of my office and go sit out in my car and say, God, please, please, this is too overwhelming. God, I need your help, I need your help. I've woken up with a vivid dream of one of my children swallowing a battery. You call me weird, I don't care, it's me, you have your own stories. And I've just, I didn't shout, I didn't, but I just turned my leg, Uh, legs on the edge of the bed. And I said, oh God, please don't. Please, God, protect our children. God, please. He hears those cries. He said, son, I love you. Thank you for your sincerity. Thank you for your authenticity. Thank you for your humility. Thank you for your broken and contrite spirit, your total inability. That's what moves heaven and earth. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need Thee, Oh bless me now, my Savior, I come to Thee. We're going to sing, I love the Lord. He heard my cry. Go ahead and put that down as they prepare uh, for that. And uh, we'll just sing one verse. I know you're ready to get out of here. We're right at 7.30, exactly 7.30. Uh, we do have a couple baptisms, uh, but uh, we want to we sing this together. I love the Lord. I, I lost those words. Here we go. I love the Lord. He heard my cry. For wisdom, for help. Oh, man, if we'd we see a miracle. Let my house, Jesus said, be a house of prayer. That's what he said. I was in a valley. Sing it from your heart. I was in a valley.
0: I was singing, Lord. I have lived and fallen. I have missed the whole condemnation breath.